0: Welcome to another edition of the Coffee Cast with Cation and Ruben. Powered by, behind the racket, Mike Cation in Lombard, Illinois. Just finishing up the Winnetka Challenger. Noah, you're in Newport, I believe, for the moment?
1: Oh, yes. Yes, I'm in beautiful Newport. Actually, I really enjoy the area. Um, But you're catching me about an hour after my loss. Uh, I got to be honest with you, it's a little bit
0: after uh, an hour. Um, Isn't it? it uh... Yeah, you took some time.
1: Ah, oh, sorry um, about that.
0: And I tried to give you some space because I didn't know if you were going to chuck a racket at Alex Bolt or something. So,
1: no, I just wanted no. To give you your space. The only thing I was going to do was um, first and foremost dig up the courts myself and get the process mm. going. Uh, but I thought I would let them finish, you know, that after the tournament. You didn't pick any grass and eat it. No, no. That only happens okay. when you win matches. I'm not quite oh. there yet. Okay. No. All
0: right. Well. Um, of course, the Coffee Cast is brought to you by New Balance with Wimbledon now in the books. It's time for all new kits and all new colors. Players are already receiving their new outfits, gearing up for the US Open in under two months. My new 860 running shoes, absolutely fantastic. Somebody who's had pain in my knees for a long period of time. This has been just a godsend in terms of relaxing some of that. So make sure to check out the 860 running shoes and check out all the latest tennis styles as well by visiting newbalance.com. We do start with talking just a little bit about Wimbledon. What Now that we're past it the last couple of days, what stands out most for you in looking back at the last couple of
1: weeks? Um, You know, I think you have to start out by saying just, you know, Federer making a push again on courts that were called some of the slowest tennis courts so maybe courts that didn't favor him as much and taking over Nadal was pretty incredible and then also having you know somebody like Bautista Agut who's you know normally a clay court specialist you know these are the issues that people are finding with Wimbledon is that they slow down the court so much and you know maybe some other issues that aided in some of these, you know, Spanish players, you know, coming out and making a run. So honestly, I don't know how I feel about it necessarily, but it's definitely a change.
0: Yeah. And, and let's talk about the men's final first um, with Djokovic winning with the fifth set tie break. Of course, the one singles match that went to 12-12 was the men's final. Um, I, I found myself as I was watching the broadcast also had tennis Twitter up uh, it, it is fascinating to me the fandoms, especially at the top, and, and it just seems like everybody hates Novak Djokovic.
1: Yes, it seems like it's somewhat overwhelming, and and honestly, I've asked people that, you know, enjoy tennis on my friends, but not necessarily as you know enthralled in the tennis world as you and I, mm-hmm. and they. They attested to that they remember a time where Novak maybe wasn't the same he is now. Maybe he wasn't as charismatic and almost that, you know, that Kyrgios has said it multiple, you know, multiple times. And I don't know if I believe it or not, but that he's kind of faking in a way and he's putting on this front. Mm-hmm. And then you put him up against Federer, who transcends the sport of tennis, unlike any other person has ever done. And here is this recipe for disaster, and then you see it—you see when Novak's bouncing the ball 20 times, waiting for people to stop jeering and all this stuff—and it's just, it's just a recipe for disaster. And I, and I think, you know, we've seen it. And I don't know if people remember, it. you know, 10, 12 years ago, there were there were some issues with Je- no, Novak on the court, you know, pulling out for matches and, you know, not the most fan-friendly person. And and he's definitely worked hard to change that, but I think people True. still remember that side of him. Did you
0: ever watch, uh, I, I believe, for your generation, WWE wrestling?
1: <laughs> that was never uh, my form of entertainment. I, I understood okay. it,
0: but... So so in, in wrestling, there's this idea of the heel turn, which is when, like, a seemingly good guy just suddenly turns into a bad guy. Maybe he goes over and body slams somebody when they're not supposed to, somebody that's supposed to be a friend, okay. etc. cetera. And I, I find myself just wondering, will there ever be a point where Novak just says you know what screw this I, you know I'm the bad guy alright let's be the bad guy and just turns to, into this jerk you know flaunting himself in front of the crowd after winning like I I would actually like him more I think if he went that route
1: I, I, I think he could be a pretty good villain I just don't know if he has it in him and I think he wants mm. to get that he wants to be on the good side of the crowd and you know sometimes it's obvious and, and I think that's what people don't like you know I've heard people call it desperate and other things and you know, I just want him to be you know, himself, and I, and, I, and that's all I want to yeah. see. And if it's if we get a great villain out of it, I'm all for it.
0: On the women's side, Halep beating Serena in the final. Um, again, I think a, a lot of that has to do with the slowing down of the courts. Um, Halep saying that that was one of the best matches she's ever played in her career. if <laughs> yes. not the best uh, to beat Serena in the final. I have to be honest, uh, we had a very late night in Winnetka on Friday night. I think I woke up at about nine nine fifteen after going to bed at something like two. it was over I didn't I didn't get to see a single moment of the women's final and I felt really awful about that, but that I think that just kind of goes to show how well she played in that final.
1: yeah, I mean it was just flawless and you heard you know Serena's press conference, which you know was kind of against her saying that's you know how it played out of her mind. but you know she did. she played really you know great flawless tennis and. You know, we were seeing her against, you know, Coco Golf and all these other players, and she was just way too solid. Um, it was her week, and the courts definitely slowed down her favor.
0: I want to talk just a little bit about Winnetka. Obviously, you were not there, and, and we were all hurt uh, by your, the lack of your <laughs> The presence. absence. Um, but Bradley Klon, as you heard in our podcast feed, you did an interview with him yesterday after winning both the singles and the doubles title, defeating Jason Kubler. It was a really weird tournament in that we had I believe five or six of the uh, 15 doubles matches were walkovers. We had players folding um, in in different reasons for injuries, whether it be heat or actual physical injuries on the single side as well. And and it just got me thinking about how this 48 player draw, I don't think it's doing players any favors. And I know the idea is to have more opportunity. Um, for players to get into main draws and potentially earn points. But the idea of playing five and potentially six matches within a week, I, I don't know how you feel from the player side, from my fan broadcaster side. I, I can see through the week how players get worse and worse. And there's just obviously a higher risk uh, for wear and tear injuries throughout the year.
1: You know, once this all these rules changed and I started getting a better understanding of them, I was... Praying every week that I'm seated it is such a yeah. big difference, and especially if you get past your first round. You know, you know sometimes it's tough because the person you're playing before may have had a match on their belt. Now they're feeling confident, but if you get past that first round, you feel so much. You feel refreshed, and you have this understanding that some of the, half of the other guys you're playing against are already tired. They're feeling the fatigue set in, and you know I think these draws are highlighting some of the major issues in tennis right now. I mean, yes, it was a little, you know. the the withdrawals and and the the issues on court you know were extended in winneka but this is the stuff we deal with all the time and you know you look at a grand slam and people pay for tickets and boom 16 people pull out you know they're they're retiring they're doing this it's just how it is i mean these the new seasons the new draws they're highlighting the major issues going on in tennis and you know it's, it's just too long it's too much on the players and and it's just you know it's going to get worse if if it doesn't get better it's going to get worse and that's that's the slope we're on right now for me and i
0: know we you and i have been talking about more grand scale um, changes but in terms of just one that can be shortened if we're going to do 48 draws uh, continuing into 2020 why not start on sundays with the qualifying round um, so that we really start the meat of the tournament on monday we also can then potentially put in a Saturday doubles final so that players could then get to qualifying Sunday in the next week. And thats I know that that's just kind of a band-aid fix for a bigger problem, but it's one that's going to at least allow for a couple of, maybe a day or two days off within a week for players who are seated and only have to play five matches in a week.
1: It took me a while to realize that qualifiers actually played on Monday and they, you know, right. they wanted this whole Monday to Sunday. It's just going to be a week. Nothing else and I thought it would be better for, you know, the tournament, but I, I don't know if it is. I, I, I think if you get the qualifying done out of the way, and then yes, a Saturday doubles final is a must. Uh, there's no yes. there's no need for anything else. And and the fact that people are not listening to players saying, This is wrong. It's not like just two or three. Everybody's asking for it. So let's, let's open up and listen to people every once in a while. We're the ones dealing with it. And I understand that you know we're biased and we, you know, obviously we're in favor of stuff that helps us. But sometimes it's the true problems that we're dealing with and that we have to get past them.
0: Well, one of the things we wanted to talk about with Bradley Klon when we spoke with him yesterday was just about the idea of streaks and confidence. It was something he actually brought up before we got to bring it up during our interview about how he had been struggling over the last six months in terms of finding result. In fact, it was his first deep run since Houston at the end of 2018, a title that he won. And really has never never gotten any confidence, any type of streak built for himself this year and just talked about how difficult it was to regain that. So that's kind of what we wanted to talk about today. Streaks, momentum, confidence, how that builds. And and let's talk about you. You've had moments of, of success, whether it be winning a challenge or whether it be back a few years ago winning the Wimbledon Juniors how tough is it to then not only just win that title but then also build and continue that momentum into the next not only week but month
1: impossible and when i say impossible i truly mean it the reason why it's so tough to break through in tennis is because a lot of the you know the players that are breaking through they're doing it in a short period of time you know they you know they could be you know steadily around a certain ranking but once they catch fire they somehow manage to keep it for two to three tournaments and that's all that they need to break it through to that next ranking level whether it's you know 130 to 100 or 75 to 50 or even 200 to 150 you need a good span of tournaments so with that being said i mean i'm looking back and even from the juniors I couldn't string together tournaments. It just never was possible. I mean, starting from winning Junior Wimbledon, people were like, oh my God, you went back to back and you won Kalamazoo. No, actually I played Spencer Papa in a future and I overheated <laughs> in mm-hmm. between uh, Wimbledon and Kalamazoo. So I lost first round. I actually don't know if I ever won a match the first round of a tournament after winning a title. I remember winning Numia, I go on and lose lost first round Australian Open Qualies. I played I won Tallahassee last year. I lost next round to Michael Moe, first of, of Savannah. I mean, every time it was just exhaustion. I couldn't there was such a um, a release of anxiety and all these things that I couldn't manage to get it back for the next week. And then you have all these issues of you don't have time to prepare because you're, you know, finishing Sunday and you're playing probably Tuesday. And so you don't have time to prepare. You don't have time to recover properly. Then you have to work on travel and getting to the next tournament. I mean, it is a highly difficult thing to do. And, you know, that's been the reason why I haven't made, you know, severe jumps. And, you know, the best I've done was, you know, tournament letdown tournament where I've done successful. And then, um, Last year, you know you have like a quali for Atlanta win around and two qualities d c so like you know they're okay, but it's not enough to break it through to the next level, and I've never been able to
0: i wanna let's let's be honest here, Noah, you are a player who it's you are one of the smaller players i I thank I you hate to thank, tell no, you that, but no, let's uh, tell everybody I'm you're not six a foot six. Um, Some some of those guys who have that physical imposing, uh, you know, I can serve bot for a little bit of time within a match. I I think it maybe is a little bit easier for them. For guys who are more in the six foot to say six, three range and much more from the baseline grind out mentality. That's where I think it's much more difficult because like we've been talking about, you're playing five or six matches and then two days later you're having to gear the body back up for, for all of after all of that work the week before.
1: It's tough enough to do it within a tournament. Now I have to, you know, put all the success behind me and manage to say, you know, this is a new new tournament. I have to get myself revved up and ready to go. And here I am, first, you know, first point of the match, and I'm hitting, you know, an eight ball rally, 10 ball rally. I'm like, God, can I see doing this for, you know, another two, three, four days? it's tough. It's tough to say. And, and that's why I've never really been able to do it. And it's been very difficult to get myself in that mindset because I can't, I can't go on a streak where I managed to, you know, get it to a tiebreaker in the first set because I just served my way through. It's just never been me. I'm five foot nine. You know, I I would need a box to stand on for that. Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So that's really the issue. And then, you know, you go deeper, you go deeper into the issue and then, then, then you deal with the negative streaks. And yeah.
0: So, what are some of the worst ones that you've been on in your career?
1: The worst one that I have been on was last year. I let's see. The first tournament was was around Newport Beach. I lost to Taylor Fritz, mm-hmm. and then I went on an eight match losing streak, which is about two two and a half months of not winning a match, and. The last match that I lost, well, second to last match I lost was qualifying of a challenger. This one really got to me. This, you know, I won a challenger at the beginning of that year, so this is 2018 now. I won a challenger at the beginning of the year, and then I went on to not win a match and on two different surfaces against, you know, every kind of player, and it's it's one of the toughest things to break you're you're dealing with you're almost forgetting how to shake hands like you don't you don't even remember what it sounds like to hear game set match ruben like you don't even know that so you lost the feeling of winning and it's something that you you would pay anything to get it back you're all you're doing i see it all the time players are forcing themselves to play tournaments to get any kind of win possible and that's when it starts snowballing. And that's where the real issues come. And then you go months and then, then you have injuries and it just snowballs. And that's what tennis has. And it, and it produces like these, these domes that you can't break through. And it gets really tough. And, you know, I, I somehow managed to, I went down a level. I played a future and then I won Tallahassee. You know, that was, right. you know, that's that su- magical. Right. And I was out of French Open qualifying. And that was the last tournament that counted and then i ended up getting the wild card so obviously things happen for a reason and in tennis you always have like like bradley clown said yesterday you only need that one tournament to get back but you i promise you you forget what it feels like to win a match when it was that long
0: yeah so he talked yesterday uh, about making sure he stayed within his routines no matter whether he was positive no matter whether he was negatives to make sure that the routines are are there So when you're in some of these negative uh, periods for you, how hard is it to say, okay, yeah, three hours before I'm supposed to have a meal, two hours before I'm supposed to be hitting, whatever that time frame might be? How hard is it mentally to kind of jump those hurdles?
1: You know, it's less about the ones that I know to be true. It's all these other things that I'm like, you know what, maybe I don't have to eat this. I should eat this. And, And all the other things that I was trying to be super professional about, maybe they're taking my mind off you know what really matters which is having fun and enjoying and just going out there and and then you start overthinking everything that's that's really the issue so obviously bradley's um, more experienced than i am and he understands that stick to the game plan it will eventually pan out if you're doing the right things you know even to this day in my head i still overthink you know you know about a month ago up until a month ago i was overthinking everything i was like maybe i should be doing this maybe i should be relaxing i had not noticed that oh really I don't know if you're being sarcastic or not.
0: Yeah, extremely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the, this is what you deal with, and all players do. They might not be as vocal as me, but we. I, I talked to them like, you know what, I was like, are you doing that same diet you were doing the other day? He's like, no, I overthought it, and I don't think I need that, and it wasn't helping. So you, the thing is, you, you don't know what's right, and then all the coaches and voices you hear around you, they try to help you, but they don't know what's right, so you just have a thousand things going on in your head, and then when you forget, Get how to lose forget how to win a match i mean it's it's a tremendous mountain to overcome is
0: this unique to you i i, I know you're a neurotic individual yes uh, i think it's is a very fair way of saying it but uh, that i should be
1: how, how, tied up in a straight jacket yeah i understand
0: well, no i mean that part is not unique to the sport of tennis that <laughs> that much i do know um how, how much of this experience it's, it's actually of... an
1: ATP gift that you get <laughs> once you make
0: division one we all just get a straight jacket I, uh, this Division One membership that uh, you've gotten it once, yes. You
1: uh, once it? you get it, you don't lose it. I think that's correct, or something like okay, that. Okay, so you yeah. you've gotten it, I, yes.
0: Okay, because that's a big deal. That's yes. for another podcast. <laughs> yeah. Of, yeah, some of the benefits that go along with that. But um, so how how much is this is unique to you in terms of you know the the fact that yes you are a little bit on the neurotic side and and your tennis is maybe a, a very difficult um, style to have week to week. Whereas maybe for an average player that this might not be happening.
1: I think this goes into a deeper topic of how tough it is to play the sport of tennis and how it doesn't allow you to enjoy your success. You know, at a at an even larger level, I had my best win of my career against John Isner. I was forced to play a match three hours later against Andre Rublev. So I couldn't enjoy the biggest match of my career because I had another match I had to prepare for. So yes, that's not exactly the same, but it's very similar. So you go, let's say you win a challenger, which is a great result for almost anybody. So you have to put that success aside and say basically it means nothing and I have to get myself to a point where it's almost like I didn't win last week. And that's tough for anybody to do. Big server or not, it's it's very, very tricky. And I, I talk to players about it and they, and it's it's to actually get your body prepared. I mean, we we wake up and we feel like we're 85 years old sometimes. So now we have to, you know, two days later play a first round match after we just played a final. It's it's insane. It really, truly is. And if you can somehow, you know, scrape by the first round match, it's okay. But that first set that you get back on the court, it's like, I don't know if I can do this right now.
0: One thing I've seen a lot over my career back as a press aide, and then as well on on this broadcast side is how difficult it is for players, especially who are experiencing success in terms of a challenger title for the first time in their career, as well as breaking into the top 100 for the first time in career. You see a lot of losing streaks that accompany both of those particular accomplishments. Um, I, I think of Mitchell Kruger this year, um, and just how difficult it has been for him to kind of reclaim that same success that he had after winning his first title in Dallas this year. Just one quarterfinal for him since. Um, I, I can think of countless examples of guys who broke into the top 100 for the first time, and then there's just this relief of, oh my gosh, I've overcome this massive thing, you know. And and they're not able to sustain that positive momentum. Um, and and it's it's been most frustrating for me to see these guys who just want to be able to enjoy a little bit of success and then it just goes away in a heartbeat
1: two things expectation and there's no safety net so yeah. one your expectations change immediately and in the incredible world we have today which is the social media base and how easy it is to get your opinion out, now we start hearing from everybody you know Everybody expects great things now, and we're so happy you're here. We always knew you could be here. Now you gotta stay here, and you gotta make the next jump. And we're like, it took forever us for us to get here. Now you guys are hoping we get to the next level, and it's just, it's ongoing. And I've spoken to players at every level, and I'm like, does it change? Do you feel that safety net? Do you, do you get to 75 in the world, and you're like, whew, okay, I have a second, let me, let me take it easy. And they're like, no, it doesn't end. It never ends. And that's the issue with tennis, I mean, with this idea of no contracts, with this idea that there's no, there's really no offseason, that you can never enjoy that year you had because you're always, always in the back of your head saying, what's next? How am I going to defend my points? How am I going to further my points? And how am I going to live up to the expectations everybody has for me? And that's a very um, difficult thing. Uh, Bjorn
0: Fritangelo got some great advice last night that he posted on Twitter. I don't know if you say it. Um, There were a couple consecutive tweets that he received. One said, I got to say, I was quite amazed watching Bjorn Tangelo today. Some of the shots he hit looked impossible, and he still got them in. Uh, The next person said, um, you know, Bjorn was not happy with that critique necessarily. And then the guy said, well, that's probably because they put some money on you. I mean, you don't play the same in Challengers versus Masters tournaments. So maybe you should give 100% every time. Mm. And I think that's... that's exactly right. I mean, yes. you guys oh. got to give a hundred percent every time, or else what? What are we doing?
1: I know. I hate when I go out there and my whole career is on the line, and I, I just I don't even care. It's it's so right. frustrating to not get the care and the love. It's just not there. And you know, you know, some tournaments are really fun to be at, and then I have it. But for the most part, God, what am what am I doing? I mean, you know, I have enough lessons outside the court that I'm making enough money, so it's okay.
0: So, in, in this particular thing, one, one thing I don't think we've necessarily done enough of over the last couple of weeks are, are maybe what we think might be some solutions, some ways to help this, um, each of our problems that we pick on each week. Um, it, from your perspective, the player perspective, what's going to be most important to change this and, and help make it a little bit more, um, I don't know, just easier for players to continue building some momentum? <sighs>
1: It is solely an individual mentality aspect that you have to understand. Maybe, maybe the next week I take it off. Maybe I relax and I still have that winning mentality in my head, but I'm fresh and I'm ready to go for a week or two in the future. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see it with the top guys. Yes, they have the luxury because they know they're going to do well, but you know it's very, very rare that they play a tournament within a week they they usually have a week off in between good results and that's because they need it. They're putting so much effort and time and, and mind into each match that they need the time in between. We don't have the luxury. You know, if you're if you're 150 in the world, you don't have the luxury for that. You're not making enough money. You're not making enough points. So you really have to, you know, play as many weeks as possible. But you know, I've gotten to a point where, like we've talked about before, I'm doing what's right for my head and I know that it's inevitable that I'm not gonna do well. So why even put it out there? I'm gonna give myself every week to have the best, you know, giving myself the best chance possible to be successful, and even whether it's a good result, bad result, I go home, I relax, and I start again. And I think that's the only way to go about it, and I think forcing and pressing the issue only ends in in negative outcomes. So for me,
0: one thing I've been thinking about a lot since we started doing this podcasts more on a a consistent basis is the uh, capping the number of weeks so it's kind of to piggyback on what you just said but capping the amount of weeks that players can play in a year Um, forcing it from an institutional i know (laughs) forcing it from an institutional standpoint and saying you can only play say 30 weeks a year or 25 weeks a year Um, And and then it forces these players, forces you guys to be a little bit more selective with your schedule um, and and actually think about kind of spacing that out and and maybe the performances will be better because they're not throwaway weeks anymore.
1: Yeah, I mean it's not a bad idea. I think we just start out and just cut three months of the schedule off. I know it sounds crazy. Yeah, no, you're you're fine. I I just don't see it in any other regard. I mean – People come up to me, and they're like, oh, your season's over. This is at the U.S. Open. They come up to me, yeah, like, oh, yeah. your season's over. I'm like, oh, no, I have three more months. They're like, wait, what? It's not done? No, 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 I have three more months. It is insane <laughs> Let me Let me players. just say,
0: last night I was watching the local news here in Chicago, and they did a recap of the Wimbledon men's final, and the anchor ends by saying, we'll see them next at the U.S. Open. I'm like,
1: well, <laughs> no. it's not, not
0: quite right. Um, <laughs>
1: No, nobody gets it. Nobody gets it. And that's why we have to open their eyes. They don't understand the physical, and mental, how distraught we are after six months. I mean, we joke around and, you know, we get awfully negative sometimes, as you know. Um, and it's, you know, it's March and it's like, is it November yet? It, it's got to be November. This is March. Right. <laughs> this is what happens. It's because the, the years mash together. It's You don't have enough off time that you're already training for the next season. It never ends. It never stops. It's a continuous cycle. And it's honestly, it's inevitable that people are going to break down physically and mentally. And that's why you see people pulling out. That's why you see these subpar performances. And it's the, people are not realizing enough. And, and I don't know. I don't know how we're going to change it. I don't know if there's enough people at the top. Obviously, the player council is not there anymore. So we're going to have to get enough voices to be heard. I don't know if it's possible
0: though along those lines as we switch gears to look ahead to this coming week right now Tennis Sangren has a 5-4 edge over Dennis Isteman as I'm saying this uh, he's about to serve it out uh, in the first set there and Dennis Isteman is a perfect example of what we were talking about he's a guy who has been over the last few weeks he's been fighting for every single little point to get into the US Open main draw and right now he comes into that match he looked awful the other day um, dealing with a left ankle sprain and yet he's out there today in Newport because he feels he has to, to just, you know, get a couple of extra points. Um, and I, I feel a lot of sympathy for him, but uh, in, in terms of the bigger picture in Newport, what do you expect um, when you're looking at the draw? And I can say that Alex Bolt, the guy you lost to today, he has to play Alexander Bublik, which is not, not ever fun.
1: No, honestly, the courts are so tricky, anybody can do well, Servant volleyers especially, I mean, Ball was coming into net, um, Tordiky was coming into net, it Bjorn. I mean, you have to, you can't let the balls bounce. It it's getting, might hit a gopher or something. You have no idea what happens on these courts. So it really- Why does it, that
0: keep happening? Like why, I, 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 you guys have said that to me for years and years and I don't quite understand why it continues to be this way.
1: So there is a rumor that they're about to rip up the courts for next year. You know, okay. we get this idea that, and I know this is going into a further conversation, but we get this idea that people keep saying, this is part of tennis, it's a different surface. I'm like, there's got to be a line where people say enough is enough, and it's just not acceptable. And hopefully we get there, but that's for another day. But um, John Isner is looking awfully tall, um, so that's a good thing.
0: <laughs> wow, uh, he grew in uh, during the injury, huh?
1: Uh, or I shrunk, which is, you know, either definitely possible. <laughs> <laughs> Um and yeah I mean honestly there's more than enough players that are looking great um again the the court's favor nobody and everybody at the same time and you want to take balls out of the air so we'll see um I think Isner can can do very well on these on the surface and and we'll see how it goes
0: Karlovic already out bounced by Guido Andreazzi who also struggled with an injury and withdrew from Winnetka uh during his match this week so I mean Weird things happen every year in Newport. That is something I'm very sure of.
1: Yes. No, a hundred percent. And weird things happen in tennis.
0: Um, so for me, it's a week off going to spend a little bit of time with family here in Chicago, go back to Tulsa, spend time with my daughter and then Binghamton next week. And Binghamton is always one of the more unique tournaments. It is the smallest town we go to on the USTA pro circuit. Um, it is in a public park. And I have to tell you, I I love it because of the fact that those people work incredibly hard to put on this incredible event uh, for the players. And I don't know that players who are maybe used to some bigger cities really appreciate the community effort to get that tournament going, but it's going to be a lot of fun in Binghamton. Uh, They just continue to put on a pretty good show considering the resources around them.
1: That's the thing. I mean, a lot of these tournaments are nowhere near the level we need them to be, but we can't take away... The effort that these volunteers put in. I mean some most of them are not getting paid. They're just doing it for the love. And they're using what they have and they're making the best of it. And, of course, we don't appreciate it. And, obviously, we talk negatively, but it's not about them. They work so hard, hours on end, to try to get you know, whatever they have in the best shape possible for us. And that's all we can ask for.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I'm looking forward to heading out there. Uh, a fun fact for me, uh, actually, during the broadcast next week, we're going to have Julia Elbaba do a little bit of color commentary. Um, I'm excited to work with her. I, I believe did, – did you guys ever hit together at um, uh, the McEnroe Academy?
1: We did. It was before the McEnroe Academy okay. at the uh, sport time. Um, that's when I was there most of the time. Um, wasn't as much when John was there. And, uh, yeah, no, I know her very well. So that should be that should be fun.
0: Yeah, it's going to be an enjoyable experience. And while we're mentioning the McEnroes before we go, I have to say I, I give John McEnroe a lot of shit for – the fact that I don't think he does enough to grow the sport of tennis with his commentary in general. I thought the broadcast with him, Fowler, and Patrick on Sunday for the men's final, which I did get to watch a little bit more of, I thought it was phenomenal and it shows where John's at his best. When he's analyzing the best in the world, he's very, very good. In point, Like, he's locked in, focused, knows them so well, and that's where he can really shine.
1: It's great. Yeah, more stuff for the top players. That's all we need. Yeah, that's good.
0: Yeah. I'm just, you know what? I'm trying to end with a nice positive note here.
1: Yeah, the positivity is that you have people like you and I that are working to really change the sport because you see it. I mean, you don't get the respect you deserve, and you're the one working to change the sport at the foundation of it. And, you know, and I respect you. I've always respected you for that. And we need more of that. So hopefully people listen to our conversations and, you know, it strikes a nerve a little bit because we have to wake up.
0: Well, of course, you can always enjoy the conversations with on the podcast, but you can also interact with us a little bit as well. Mike C. Tennis is where you can find me. You can find Noah at noahrubin Rubin 33. You're going to be at home for the next couple of days.
1: Yeah, get taking care of some business and then back on the road for God knows what.
0: I, I got to be, be honest, I didn't win the Voss World uh, special behind the racket water. And so I feel like uh, I should end the podcast at this point.
1: Yeah, you're not going to get one, so please, I'll try, yeah. All right, awesome.
0: Well, I'm really excited (laughs) about that. Well, Noah, uh, enjoy your week at home, get some business, taking care of Jamie at
1: home as well. Yes, no, it'll be an enjoyable week, Uh, hopefully some nice weather and rehab, and then get back out there.
0: Okay, sounds good. Well, that will do it for another edition of the Coffee Cast with Cation and Ruben powered by Behind the Racket, and don't forget, as always. Interact with Noah, Noah Rubin 33, myself, Mike C. Tennis, and for Noah Rubin, Mike Cation Signing off, you've been listening to The Coffee Cast with Cation and Rubin, powered by Behind the Racket.